Well, again, happy Mother's Day. We are so glad that you're here with us. I want to take a moment and just welcome our Appleton campus and our online campus. Can you join me in welcoming them here today? And uh, if I'm being honest with you for just a minute, I'm going to kind of tell you how my night went last night. I am a mom of two. We have a three-year-old and a five-month-old. And last night, for whatever reason, um, my two-year-old, or excuse me, three-year-old, at about two o'clock in the morning, um, comes busting into our room. He's covered in pee. He had wet the bed, and I'm like, okay. Um, So we get up. I'm handling that issue, you know, and then he decides it'd be a really good idea to wake his brother up, and so he wakes up his brother, and they're all crying, and I just wanted to have like a family meeting at two, three o'clock in the morning, and hey guys, listen, mom has to preach tomorrow, uh, so if everybody could just get their act together a little bit, dad loves you just as much as I do. Like, I don't have to hold you right now. Like, it is okay for dad to love on you. So Kevin, my husband's like, babe, I got this. You know, I totally, I'll clean up the mess. You know, you got a big day tomorrow. Can you just, you just go down to the guest bedroom and, and you just sleep, you know, because moms can sleep through crying babies. Um, and he's like, just sleep. You got this, you know. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to try. So I go downstairs and all of a sudden I hear, Ezra, just go to sleep. Like he's like talking to our five-month-old and I'm like, okay. So I head right back upstairs and I'm like rocking him to sleep, you know. And I'm like, babe, it's okay. I got this, right? So to all of the sleep-deprived, diaper-changing, attitude, rocking the the minivan moms out there, I just wanted to say happy Mother's Day. I hope you are spoiled rotten today. I hope that you are championed. And we hope that you leave today encouraged and inspired, full of love and grace to know that there's a God that is so crazy about you today. I also know there's another group of people in the room today. Maybe you're like me and you've suffered loss. My mom died six years ago. So for me, Mother's Day uh, isn't always the the funnest day to kind of walk through and remember and, and be a part of. And so for those of you in the room today that maybe you've suffered loss, or uh, maybe you're walking through a difficult moment, I just want you to know that we here at Life Church hope that you leave today inspired, encouraged, uplifted, full of grace to continue. I, ho- I pray that God gives you an extra measure of grace today as you kind of navigate through what this day looks like for you. You know, you get the Facebook posts and the text messages and all of the love, but today we really genuinely hope that you leave feeling the love and feeling encouraged and uplifted today. Speaking of Facebook, I have a question to ask everybody. By show of hands, how many people are involved in some form of social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, go ahead, just, yep, there we go, that's what, at our online campus, Apple to campus, let's see those hands. Okay, so in this room in particular, the majority of the people of us, we are engaged in some form of social media. Did you know that over 250 million uploads a day happen on Facebook? 250 million, whether it's a comment, a post, a video, something gets uploaded to Facebook a day. That is crazy to me to think about how much our world revolves around social media, if you will. There's like, you can get a degree now and how to market via social media. I mean, there are so many things that evolve around social media. And I think some things in our world have, they've gotten better because of social media. One of those being like our phones and our cameras. I don't know about you, but in our household, the camera phone is like, it's the the camera that we use the most. Uh, It's just so easy. You can just 
take a picture of a family moment, put a filter on it, because everybody looks better in sepia, if we're being honest, you know. Uh, and then you just upload it right there to whatever social media outlet you use. But And then you get to see and share. You know, we have friends and family that are from out of town, and so we're able just to kind of share that with them. But it's crazy to me how accessible that is and how good the, the camera phone is on our phones, but how many of you remember that when the digital camera came out? Like, that was a game changer. When the digital camera came out and you could actually see there on the screen, you know, when Uncle Dan's making the crazy face in the back, you're like, okay, really? Like, we'll have to retake that, you know, or somebody had their eyes closed, or it just wasn't the best angle, you know, that was kind of me growing up. I'm like, can we just a little bit, you know? Um, but you had the ability right there to kind of redo the image if you wanted to. How many people remember disposable cameras? Hello, that was a game changer for me in high school. I was like, yes, disposable cameras, holla at me. Like, when my mom would put a three-pack in the, my suitcase if I was going on a trip or something like that, I was like, here we go, we're about to have fun, you know? So you have, like, the three cameras, and there's, like, 27 opportunities per camera to get the right picture, you know? And you take it to the one-hour photo down at Walmart, and it really takes about three hours, but that's okay because you're excited to get your photos. And when you get them all back, there's maybe five you know, that are frameable, and you're like, okay, yeah, that works, you know, one out of per camera or something, you know, but you're just excited about it, but how many people remember 35 millimeter film, like those kind of cameras, less hands this time, I won't say anything, but you know, uh, 35 millimeter film, you had to pull out the film a little bit and put it in the camera and take the camera, for us, my mom had a home office at our home, and, and she had a camera in there, and there were two different containers, there was the used film and the new film, and she'd wait until she had enough film to go down to the Kodak store, does anybody remember Kodak stores? little fun fact about me, we had a family picture in the local Kodak store. We were, like, blown up, and I was like, hello, famous for, like, 2.7 seconds that Kodak stores existed, but that's okay, um, and it was just in our little local Kodak store. But anyway, so I wander into my mom's office one day, and I really didn't know much about 35-millimeter film. I, you know, it was just, I didn't know much. So I thought, well, I'll educate myself uh, as a... Like, it's probably when I was right at the end of elementary school. I walk in there, and I'm looking at the film, trying to put it in my mom's camera and, you know, do all of that stuff. And so then I start navigating through it, and, I, and I'm like, well, I wonder what these look like, you know, before they're framed on my wall. And so I'm pulling out the whole roll. I'm just, like, looking at it, holding it up into the light, you know, like, oh, that's real cool, you know. And, like, this whole moment, I mean, all of it, like, every, like, oh, this one doesn't have any, and this one does you know, like, the whole thing. And as a mom, like, or maybe it's just women in, like, my family, when we get upset, we let you know, uh, you know, like, there's the screaming, everybody's running for cover, like, that kind of moment when we're upset. But when we're really upset, we just burst into tears and walk away. Uh, and that day, my mom walks into this little office that she had, and she looks at me and bursts right into tears and walks away. And I thought to myself, well, my life's over. Uh, that was fun. Um, you know, well, look, Mom, you can see them before they're actually ever pictures, you know. Uh, and it was about three days later when she had the, the calmness to actually walk me through what just happened. Uh, she began to educate me on the process of 35-millimeter film. 
I didn't know that it went through seven different chemical processes in a dark room, then it was developed, and then it was reproduced into the film that you actually, or the picture that you actually put on your wall. She did a great job educating me like three days later on all of the memories I had just wasted, um, you know. So, but I learned that really valuable lesson that day that that particular film has to go through a process. It goes through this journey, if you will, to become a framed picture on our wall. And a lot of times, I believe that God works the same way. He works more like 35-millimeter film than he does the snap and upload generation that we currently live in. We hate to wait, or I hate to wait. You know, we'll decide today after service where we're going to eat at a particular restaurant based on the limited amount of time we're going to have to wait. Uh, We have our current state of hunger, and it's growing right now, so I'm with you. I'm tracking You know, we have our current state of hunger and then that moment where the future state of being satisfied or full, and we want to try to decrease the amount of time in between there. We have our current state that we're at and the the goals or the dreams that we have, and as a generation, we just don't enjoy waiting. We just don't like to wait in the process, and God oftentimes works more like over the mountaintops and through the valleys, journeys in our lives, those processes, where we would see mountaintops and we think, you know what, we're going to go from mountaintop to mountaintop. We're going to go from one place to the next place higher. When God has this journey intended for us, this process of going over mountaintops and through valleys, because many of us know in here today that more growth happens in the valleys than it does on the tops of any mountain. That we as as humans, as Christ followers, we like to build bridges, if you will, over the growth that God's intended in the valleys of our lives. Bridges are man-made, and God designed valleys. He designed valleys for us to go up mountains and down in valleys to grow and to, to become more like him. And, and I was thinking about in the Bible whose life really depicted this great up and down valleys, mountaintops, moments. And I think about the life of David. David, we, he's a very popular person in the Bible. We, we see the beginning of his story, and, and we see the end of his story, and we see all of the ups and downs that his life has in those moments. And so I want to look today at the, one of the very first mountaintop moments that, that David had. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel 16. It says this, The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Since I've rejected him as king over Israel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I'll show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outer appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And then skip down to verse 11. 
So, so he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and he had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. You see, it was in that moment that David had this mountaintop experience. He was out in the fields, he was tending the sheep, and there was a party going on in his town. He wasn't even invited to it. And God created this opportunity for David to be brought in before his brothers and anointed king of Israel. That's a pretty cool mountaintop moment, right? Like that's one of those that I'm pretty sure none of us here would ever forget that moment that you were paraded in in front of all your brothers and anointed king. But what's really interesting to me is that we don't actually see David become king until 2 Samuel 5 verse 4. It says this, David was 30 years old when he became king and he reigned for 40 years. From that one particular moment that he was anointed king to the other moment that he was actually appointed, some scholars believe that it took 20 plus years. 20 plus years to go from this mountaintop moment where God speaks this promise over you, God speaks this purpose over you, then 20 plus years later, you're finally appointed king. For David in that process, God was taking him on that over the mountaintops and through the valley journey with him. God wanted to make sure that David, as Pastor Aaron says, that he had the character to keep him where his talents were going to take him. God wanted to make sure that in that 20 plus years, that David understood that he was with him always. That no matter the mistakes he would make in the future or the successes he would have in the future, that God was there with him. You know, for us, we like that God speaks a promise or he, he, he declares a victory over something. And, and we, in the generation we live in, we like to snap and upload and see how many likes we can get on it. But I believe God is not so much concerned about how many likes you get as much as he is how much like him you get. See, I was talking to a friend and a mentor of mine the other day, and, and he, he said to me, he said, Noel. God is more concerned about your spiritual formation than he is about your spiritual contribution. God is more concerned that we become like him through our process, through the growing in the valley moments, than he is about the mountaintop moments that we have. He's more concerned about your spiritual formation than he is about your spiritual contribution. You know, he's more concerned that you're becoming more and more like him, knowing that there is the light of Christ inside of you. And that light that is inside of you is far greater than the darkness that may surround you. It's a process and a journey that he takes us on. So maybe today you're at the beginning of a process. You're at the beginning of a spoken word from God, of a a promise that he's given you, and you see the waiting that's going to take place. You see the journey that God is going to take you on. Or maybe today you're in a fulfillment of a promise. You know, for me, this, this very moment right here is a fulfillment of a promise that God gave me as a 17-year-old girl. That one day I would be doing exactly what I'm doing right now. 
So for some of you, you're, you're in the fulfillment of a promise, but there are other things in my life that, that I'm waiting on. There's other things in our lives that we're at the beginning of a process with him, at the beginning of a journey with God. And he's more concerned that on that journey and on that process and through the valleys of your life that you're growing, that you're becoming more like him because it's the growth in the valleys that's going to sustain you on the mountaintops. Turn with me, if you will, to Lamentations 3. Now, I know Lamentations, everybody's like, where's Lamentations? I had to go to Table of Contents too, so it's okay. Like, all right, it's in my Bible, it's page 900 and something, if that helps you get there a little bit quicker. Lamentations 3. Lamentations 3. In the message, uh, verse 25 through 27 says this. God proves to be good to the man who passionately waits, To the woman who diligently seeks, it's a good thing to quietly hope, quietly hope for help from God. It's a good thing when you're young to stick it out through hard times. See, Lamentations, it it speaks of this idea of what it's like to be in the process, what it's like to be in the middle of our waiting, in the middle of our journey. How are we supposed to be? How are we supposed to carry ourselves? How are we supposed to act in the middle of our journey? Because here's one thing I do believe. I believe that everyone in this room, everyone watching online, everyone at our Appleton campus, every one of us have, has been given promises from God. He's given us a future. He's given us a hope. He's given us plans. Every one of us specifically, individually. And I believe that we are called to explore those promises. We're called to explore the promises that God has for us, the future that God has for us. Promises produce an opportunity to wait on God. Promises in our lives, they produce an opportunity to wait on God. Lamentation says to passionately wait, to passionately wait, to have a strong belief in the current stance that you're taking, waiting on the promise that God has given you. You know, we're, we're all very passionate about many things. One thing I am, it's Mother's Day, you know, thinking about family. I am passionate about my mama's cooking. Like, it is so good, y'all. There is nothing that that woman doesn't touch that is just amazing. Like, covered in butter, but amazing, right? Like, I'm pretty passionate about that. Like, it's going to be good. Like, no matter what she cooks, it's going to be good. Some of us are passionate about sports teams. Any given Sunday, your team can win. I'm believing that for the Falcons this year. Like, in Jesus' name, any given Sunday, we'll win, right? But we're passionate about when our team gets on the field or on the court, we know, hey, there's a chance. We have a strong belief that they will win, that they will come through. And God says in the middle of our journey and in the middle of our waiting to have a strong belief that he will do what the Bible says he would do. You see, I think about David, and he's this young boy at the beginning of his process, the beginning of his journey. And the next chapter over, after he's anointed king, the next chapter over, this young kid goes down to the battlefield. And he's there, and and we see, we begin to read on those pages in the Bible, the epic journey or the epic battle of David and Goliath. Right? This huge giant shows up, and he's mocking people, and David comes out, and this, this whole battle begins to play out before us. And what's interesting, if it, if it was me and, and, and I was in that moment, like I like to put myself in, and when the Bible starts talking about these people, I like to put myself there. And, and if it was me and I was David, just my personality type, I would have just gathered everybody together. I said, hey, everybody, come on, let's all get together. 
I'm not qualified to go out there and take care of this guy, but somebody here is, so can I get a volunteer? And if you don't volunteer, I'll pick you, right? Like somebody, get your armor on, we're going to go do this. I'm not qualified, but bless God, I'll pray over you as you go out there, you know? Like something's got to happen here. But David, God had spoken a promise to David that he would be king, and he had this purpose within him. So he goes and he, he takes care of business, and I believe that many time, mo- most of the time in our lives, we, we validate promises that we were just simply called to believe. We validate these promises that God speaks to us that we were just simply called to have a strong belief in. We say, God, you know what, I'm just, I'm just a shepherd boy. I'm not old enough. I'm not young enough. I'm not qualified enough. I'm not, yeah, I can't do that. That's a little crazy. Like, we begin to validate these promises that God has given us that we were just simply called to believe, to have a strong belief that God will do what he said he would do. And then the next thing is this, promises produce purpose. Promises produce a purpose in our lives. Limitation says to diligently seek, to diligently seek. You see, I think there's a difference between seek and discovery. Discovery kind of alludes to this idea that you have found what you were looking for, that you kind of know the ins and outs of what you were looking for. Seek more refers to a pursuit, a passionate pursuit of what it is you're looking for. You know, I tell people all the time, if I can know everything there was to know about God, I would have no need for God. Easy answers are easily replaced. And we, in our journey and in the process that we're in, in this, this journey that God has us on, these promises, they, they produce things in our lives. They give us this purpose. As David is hiding out in these caves and he's running from Saul, he, he has this purpose to remain true. We see that God sustains his heart. God sustains his heart through the journey because he remained faithful to the purpose that God had given him because there was a promise on his life. I ask today, is there a purpose in our attempt to find God? In our seeking after him, as we are diligently seeking God, is there a purpose in our attempt to find him? Is there care for in our attempt to find God? The, th- the final thing is this. Purpose produces patience. Purpose produces patience. Lamentation says to quietly hope, to quietly hope, not hope in ourselves or in our circumstances or in the things we can control or or maybe not control, but quietly hope in God. When we have a purpose in our lives, it, it produces a patience. There were ample opportunities for David to get ahead of God to raise up an army to defeat Saul or to personally take him out at at several different occasions. There was opportunities for David to get ahead of what God was doing. But when you have a purpose in your life, it produces a patience, a patience to quietly hope in God. And I think for us, that's like, that's the hardest thing for us to do, is to hope in God, not in ourselves, but in God. Oftentimes, I feel like we, me in particular, we, we look at our current realities, our current situations, our current struggles or obscurities or problems, and, and we project those onto a divine, holy, righteous God. 
we look at, look at our current moments and, and we project those onto a perfect God. And it's hard for us in those moments while we wait, while we're in those valleys and in those moments, to passionately wait on him, to diligently seek, but to quietly hope in God. We're defined oftentimes by our current realities, our current situations. You know, for Kevin and I, we, uh, we have two little boys and we're foster parents. And so we, um, we have foster children that will come into our home occasionally, but we're considered uh, an adoption resource. So we are there to kind of be a forever home to a kid that doesn't have an opportunity to have that. And so our oldest son, when he was uh, 14 months old, we got the opportunity to become his forever home. We got to adopt him. And his journey really begins when he was three months old. When he was three months old, his biological mother took him to a friend's house and left him on the doorstep. And to this day, we've yet to hear from her. She abandoned London on the doorsteps of a friend's house and never came back. And so for us, it presented this opportunity to be his forever home, to be his mom, to be his dad. And it's been the greatest journey I have ever been on in my entire life to watch as these little kids come into your home and you get to pour your love out on them and you find out that they, way, they are way more of a blessing to you than you ever could be to them. But London's journey kind of started at that moment when he was left there on the doorstep of a home. And it was about when he was two and a half years old, so it was about six months ago, we were, we were watching this TV show, and, and the name of the TV show is Daniel Tiger. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Daniel Tiger. If you're not, uh, it's like the modern-day version of Mr. Rogers. Like, they finally decided that it was just a little creepy for an old man in a sweater to ask you to be his neighbor. Like, you know, it's just a little weird. So now it's a tiger in a sweater asking you to be his neighbor. We're getting there, guys. We're getting there, right? So we're watching Daniel Tiger, and in this particular episode, they, they teach a different lesson every episode, and there's a, a jingle that goes on along with the episode that you're learning. And, like, I use the potty one all the time, like, wash him, wash him, wash your hands, you know. Um, but this particular one, Daniel's Tiger, his parents were going away on a trip. And Daniel Tiger was asking all kind of questions, like, when are you getting back? How long will you be gone? You know, will you all, you know, all those things. And on the way out the door, the mom turns around and looks at Daniel Tiger, and she says, grown-ups, come back. And I began in that moment to sit there with my little boy, and tears just begin to pour down my face. And I look at my son, and I say, if it's in mom and dad's control, we will always come back. Because for him, that is not a reality. For him, life has not always been about grown-ups coming back. For him, reality is grown-ups will leave you on a doorstep and not return. But in that moment, I looked at my son and his beautiful blue eyes, and I'm like, baby, I will always come back. If it's in my power, I will always be there. I will champion you. I will push you forward in life. I will always come back. But many of us find ourselves in those moments where we look at God and we say, yeah, but you know what? Grown-ups don't always come back. We, we look at situations in our world and we project those onto a divine God. Lamentations continues to say, why? In, in uh, 3.33, it says, why? Why do we wait? Why do we hope? Why do we seek? 
because the master won't ever walk out and fail to return. Our master won't walk out and fail to return. You see, for my son, his current reality, his reality is in one day, Kevin and I will have to walk him through that. One day we're going to have to pray to help him understand not to project that onto a divine God. But for some of us in this room, we've had loss. For some of us in this room, we've been in the valleys of life, and you say, you know what? Yeah, God, but this is what happened here. But yeah, God, I, I failed here, or, or you failed me there. Or God, you, we project current realities onto a divine God when God would say, I, your master, do not walk out and fail to return. The Bible says that, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because my God is with me. My God is beside me. My grandparents sing this hymn. He walks with me and he talks with me. He walks with me on the mountaintops and he talks with me on the mountaintops. He walks with me through valleys and he talks with me through valleys. God is concerned about who you are and who you're becoming. And in your valley moments where you look around and you say, is the wait worth it? Is it worth it for me to continue in this journey because this person has failed me? Or this circumstance doesn't make sense? Or this isn't fair? Will you remember today that the wait is worth it? The journey is worth it because God does not walk out and fail to return. He doesn't leave you in that valley and not promise to come back and see you through that mountaintop moment. But as humans, we try to build bridges over growth. And God wants to walk with us and talk with us and be with us in those moments. And God would look at us today and say, grown-ups, your Savior, your Lord, the Jesus that we serve, he always comes back. He is always there. Today, I would encourage you to let hope win in your heart. Not hope in the things you can control or you can't control, but hope in a God who died on a cross for every single one of us. Not to leave us where we are, but while we were yet sinners, he chose to die for us. That I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. That's the kind of God that walks us through our valleys to mountaintops where true growth happens. I encourage you today to let hope win in your heart. Now, I know in here today there may be people who you're walking through some really difficult valleys. Maybe you're like me today, and Mother's Day, like I said before, is, is a rough day for me. Or maybe you just are walking through something specifically. In this room at our Appleton campus or online, I just want to take a moment. I just want to pray for you. I just want to speak life over you, encourage you today. So if I could have everyone here and at Appleton, just if you could bow your head and close your eyes with me. Is there anyone here today that you would say, Noel, hey, I'm walking through that, that low valley in my life, and I just want someone to pray with me. If that's you, just if you would lift your hand, and you can put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Hands are going up all over. Would everybody in here today lend your heart to those that are in this situation and pray with me today? God, we just thank you so much. 
God, I thank you that you promised to never leave us and never forsake us. God, I thank you that you're the kind of God that's alive and well in who we are, that you hold us in the palms of your hand, that you walk with us and you talk with us. God, I pray for those in this room that are in that moment in life and you feel that way in life. God, I pray you would surround them with your presence right now, whether it's in this room or somewhere else. God, would you surround them with your presence? Would you remind them today that you are right there beside them? God, we thank you in advance for everything that you're going to do. It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen.